finding the greatest purpose brings the greatest life. Thank you for listening to the Cross Point Fellowship Podcast. This series is called Cross Point Fit. Woo! Looks like looks like Jack, you you our our lady here, you just wore her out. She's like starting to lay down and uh so um uh, as as what was said to me just right there, um Paul, your mother in law is looking a lot like Jack there. Like yeah. So what's it like getting your butt kicked by your mother in law? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that should like be some prenup agreement. Do not allow your mother-in-law to be your fitness coach, trainer, person. So, uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Shane. Those of you that uh, I think I've I've been able to meet everybody, but uh, uh, teaching pastor here. But uh, after my junior year in college, going into senior year, uh, I, I, played, I played soccer up at SBU all four years, and our, my soccer coach from junior year into senior year decided, hey, hey, it's going to be our goal. It's going to be our goal. We're going to, we're going to try and bulk you up a little bit, uh, add some weight to you. We had a goal, strengthen you up a little bit. I, I, I guess he thought I was too fragile. I hadn't missed a game due to injury since sophomore year in high school, but I guess it, you know, too fragile, need to bulk up, etc. So we got, we got a strategy going, we got a game plan going, we we're going to lift weights and we we're going to take supplements. Uh, supplements, anything that I can afford that was legal, all right? Just to make sure, just to make sure that, you know, y'all like looking at me like I don't say supplements and you think, was he legal? Was he on a cl- clear or the cream? Like, because, you know, that's, that's, I'm sure that went through your mind. I'm sure, because, you know, it was like 2000, you know, around about McGuire and Bond. So, you know, you never know. But uh, so that we, we, we got this strategy and we, then we put together, we put together this weight training program and, and, and all the weights and stuff and then did the supplements according to, according to, you know, the, how they said to take them and, 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 and et cetera. And, and you're like, I'm not sure if it worked. Did it work? Well, that, that was a few years ago. I got stronger. I got stronger. Jack talked about, you know, uh, his deadlifting at 500 pounds, you know, and, and, and stuff. It wasn't deadlifting. It wasn't my back. It wasn't, certainly wasn't my upper body. It was my legs. That senior year, the, uh, when the team went through squat max, number one on the team, over 500 pounds. It wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't get stronger. The supplements didn't work. Who knew that when you took supplements and your body didn't really care to have any more supplements in it, it just went straight out of you. Yeah, like my mouth basically was a funnel, like in one hole and out the other. That's all that happened. And my coach is like, why aren't you gaining weight? And I'm like, dude, if you took everything I just lost and put it on me, I'd be gaining weight. I would hit the weight, but I ain't, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Look, we are in this series called Cross Point Fit, where we're taking a look at God's kingdom and advancing God's kingdom, the mission of advancing God's kingdom, and, 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 and knowing, look, we are not ready to advance God's kingdom. We've got to be trained. But the good news is, is that we get to eavesdrop in to the training that Jesus gave his disciples, 12 guys who really were not ready to advance God's kingdom, but he gave them training, and we get to eavesdrop in on that training. And we haven't been looking at it quite like this, but, 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 but we're, we're going to break it down today like this. That to every good mission, there's three parts. There's vision, there's strategy, and there's tactics. 
I tell that story in order to, to, to show all three parts. There is the vision. The vision is what hits you in the gut. Like, like I've got to do this. I've got to make this happen. It, it hits you in the gut. It's the feel part. It's what gets you started, and it what keeps you going through the long haul when you're all sore, right, Paul? Yeah, it's what keeps you going. That's the vision. Just the vision of bulking up and getting stronger and, and playing better. That was the vision. And then the strategy, the strategy, strategy is your plan, your overarching plan. When, 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 when things get tough, you go back to the plan. Our plan was lifting weights and supplements. Then you've got tactics. That's the day-to-day work. That's the day-to-day work that you do in order to make the mission happen. And for, 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 for mine, it was you know, daily lift weights and have this plan and have this regimen but also to take the supplements daily. That was the tactics. When we have a vision, we've got to do the tactics to support the vision. See, I call that vision disconnect. When we, when we have a vision and we say we have a vision, but the tactics that we do do not support our vision, we have vision disconnect. I've seen businesses in the Republic have vision disconnect. They have this vision. They want to have this happen. They start a business in order to make this happen. But their tactics, all the way down to the hours that they're open, does not support their vision. Then what happens? They don't get customers, they close. In order to accomplish a mission, you've got to have vision, strategy, and tactics. We've been taking a look at Matthew 10. Actually, we, we looked at, at, at pickups to Matthew 10 and back to, back to Matthew 9 of, of when Jesus has been, has been training his disciples. And he's been training them according to vision, strategy, and tactics. The vision was, remember, Jesus had compassion. He had a bowel movement for the people. That's what compassion, those of you that weren't with us that way, you're like, what? That's what compassion is, the Greek, of that there is a movement in your gut, in your bowels, that, that, that causes you to, to want to do something. And Jesus had compassion for the people because they were sheep without a shepherd. And they needed, and they needed a leader. See, their leaders, their religious leaders were not leading them to God, they were leading them to rules. Because when God shows up, people's burdens are released. And people are healed and they're restored. And when the kingdom shows up, they're healed and restored. And people were not being healed and restored. And it moved him. It moved him to the very gut. And he told his boys to pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will create, will make workers for the harvest. Will bring workers for the harvest. But then as we transition to chapter 10, Jesus did something about it. He solved the problem. And his strategy was empower 12 guys, empower disciples to be solution to the problem. Be, be empower 12 guys to advance the kingdom, to make decisions to advance the kingdom. That was his strategy. And today we're going to look at tactics. The tactics that he told his 12 guys, do these things, do exactly these things, and the kingdom will advance. Today's going to be hugely practical. Practical. Seven things. Seven things that if we do still today, because these translate over time and over culture, you do them in Republic, you can do them anywhere in America, you can go to Timbuktu and do these and plant churches. Same exact thing, no matter what culture we're talking about. 
We've been in Matthew 10, and we're going to spend the bulk of the time there, but Mark 6 is, is a parallel passage to, to Matthew 10. Mark 6 and Matthew 10 are telling the same story. But Mark adds a, a, a very key uh, element uh, that Matthew did not add to his. So we're going to read that. Mark 6, 7. The first tactic that he told his 12 disciples to have, and he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. The first tactic that we've got to have is have a wingman. We've got to have a wingman. When we go out and do ministry and advance the kingdom, it's much easier to have a wingman. Have somebody there supporting you and, and, and backing you and, and, and doing this with you because it makes you stronger. And he told his boys, hey, when you go out, take somebody with you. Do this in teams. Don't do this alone. It helps you and it helps the people you are trying to reach trust you. And then as you go out, this is what I want you guys to do. We're back to Matthew 10. You can follow along, Heartbound Bible. Or we throw the verses up on the screen or we put an event into, uh, into the YouVersion app, the Bible app on your smartphone or tablet. We highly encourage you to download that. You can take notes and everything in there. But Matthew 10, 5, Jesus sent out his 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the, to the Samaritans, but only go to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. You've got to know your audience. You've got to get to know your audience. Some people may say, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. Is this, isn't this mean of Jesus? Like only go to your people. Don't go to the, to the Samaritans or the other Gentiles. Don't go to anybody else, but only go to your people. Is this Jesus being mean? Well, no, this is Jesus being strategic. We don't think often of Jesus being brilliant, but Jesus is brilliant. He's the best strategic thinker that have, has ever lived. And God is brilliant. He's the best strategic thinker ever. So if we can mirror his strategic thinking, maybe that would be a good idea. And see, yes, salvation was to come through the Jews. But that wasn't because they were supposed to hoard it. That was because they were supposed to come to the nations through the Jews. More than spiritual, that's just strategic. Anytime you start a business, you better know your audience. Otherwise, you won't have a business for very long. And you better get to know your audience. It's strategic thinking. Also, he knew the strengths and weaknesses of his disciples. His disciples, they were Jews. They knew the mindset of Jews. They knew what Jews liked to do. They knew like what Jews liked to do when they, when they just hung out and, did, and, and, and just did entertainment things. They knew what, what Jews thought of when they thought of God and religion and all this. They were Jews and they knew Jews. That was their strength. Their weakness was that they were racist towards Samaritans and Gentiles. So if they went to Samaritans and Gentiles at this time, they would have done something stupid. They would have caused an argument or something. They, they would have did, done something that would have, been, that would have been detrimental to the kingdom advancing instead of positive to the kingdom advancing. So Jesus, Jesus is like, I know your strengths and your weaknesses. Know your audience. Go to the audience that you need to go to. Because when you know your audience, 
you can actually craft the message that, that will best impact your audience. See, our audience here, the way that we approach this thing is who in Republic is most likely to be far from God? Who in Republic is most likely to be far, far from God? It's going to be young adults, young families. They either have never been in church, never been with God, or, or they were in one point in time for whatever reason they've, they've dropped away. And so why do we do what we do? Everywhere from opening up with Footloose to disarm those that are the farthest away from God, to disarm stereotypes, because we've got to craft a message towards those that are the farthest away. We have to know our audience, because there's a message. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, the kingdom of heaven, that phrase, the Jews got that. They understood that, and we don't today. So much so that we have read kingdom of heaven and we have actually interpreted and applied that to say heaven. No. When Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, he does not mean heaven alone. He means the kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are written or used interchangeably. But still today in our culture, we don't talk kingdoms, do we? That's why we are the United States of America, right? <laughs> so the message really is, God is near. God is near. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what, God is near. That's our message. That's the message. Some of you are used to eight, 13 weeks of, 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 of evangelism training. All you need to know is one simple phrase, God is near. In fact, in fact, practice. Let's practice. Turn to somebody next to you and just tell them God is near. Now turn to somebody else and say, say, say it again. You've got it memorized. Right? I mean, the second time I said it, I said, just say it. So you've got it memorized. You were even stronger the second time when you said it. You've got that memorized. And you know what? You don't have to have a whole bunch of verses memorized. You don't have to have a whole bunch of questions memorized. All you need to do is when you go to, to well, school, not tomorrow, but Tuesday, or work, maybe tomorrow, maybe not. Whenever you go, when you go out to your neighborhood, all you've got to think, God is near, no matter what. See, our message is not, you are bad. People walk out of church because the message has been, you are bad. And they see people on the street, and that's what their message is. That's not our message, and that was not Jesus' message. You know who he got in the face of? The religious people that thought that they were all right. The message is God is near, no matter how bad we've all been. Right? Right? God is near. God is near. God is near, no matter what. And he came to prove that, right? He proved that by dying on the cross, that he came near. He proved that. He proved that he's willing to be near to everybody. 
because of that. And when you have a message, how do you get that message across? Do you shout louder? No, because what happens when you shout louder? The hearing aid gets turned down lower. Right? You're here to serve. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. And maybe you're like, hey, hold on, time out here. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to do any of those. I don't see myself going, get up and walk. So what, what do you mean? Let's take Jesus' overarching themes. When the kingdom comes close, when God comes close, what happens? Life is healed. The lives that are being destroyed are, are healed. That was the point of the miracles. Not, not, not a nice little freak show. It's that life gets healed when God comes close. And we are here to serve in order to serve, to bring healing to people, in order to bring restoration to people. We're going we're gonna to interview Mary with the Pregnancy Resource Center uh, later. That's their, that's their deal. Bring healing to people in, in times of, of of brokenness. We are here to serve in order to bring healing. And see, this proves the message that God is close. They, they're like, God is close? Prove it, right? Right? We live in Missouri, right? Show me. You're here to serve. That's, that's, that's how we show those that are far from church, far from God, that's how we show them that God is near, that we are willing to walk into the farthest away places that God would ever be and say, God is near. God is near. God is near. We're here to serve. And then, and then I'm going I'm to pause and, and that last little sentence, freely as you've been given, you give away freely. Let's, let's talk about that for a moment. Those of you that are far from church, and you, far from God, and you say, I'm not a fan of Jesus and et cetera. I'm glad you're here this morning. And this is, this is like, like training. This is like training. This is like walking into a, 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 a military drill, but you're not in the military. And you're like, ah, why am I here? Chances are, there's probably a pretty high chance that you'd not, you're not, you haven't been in church because it's something to do with finances of church. And what you see maybe on the TV and et cetera. And, and like, that just doesn't sit well with me. And see, I'm glad you're here because, because I want you to see what Jesus thinks of money and his church. See, he told his boys, he told his disciples, look, I've served you for free. I have not demanded payment for when I served you. So when you go out and serve, you serve for free as well. Do not demand payment. And, and what a church is, what a church is supposed to be according to Jesus, what, what a church is supposed to be is a group of people who do follow Jesus, who say we are advancing God's kingdom together, including what we do is we pool our money together so that we can then serve those who are not fans of Jesus for free. So when we take up the tithe in just a little bit, what that is, is Christians pooling their money together so that we have the ability to serve non-fans for free. This slapped us in the face last week. We had nightlight ministries here. 
a ministry that, 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 that goes into uh, strip clubs of Springfield in order to serve people. And they said, you know what? You know what? The DJs, the girls, the workers in the clubs, you know what they think? They think you have to pay to come to church. Seriously. They think you have to pay. Like there's a cover charge to coming to church. Look, that is not how Jesus set things up. That we all pool our money together in order to serve non-fans for free. We do this. Christians pool their money together so that we can pay for rent and pay for lights and pay for staffing and pay for paper. All so that non-fans, those of you that are just checking this thing out, can come and check it out for free. And our prayer is that you start following Jesus. And then one day you said, you know what? I receive freely and I want my buddies to receive freely. So you start pooling your money together with the rest of us so that we can reach more people. That's what money in the church is, is, is all about. And yes, I do receive a salary from the church. There are some, there are some that, that get paid by the church to serve the community for free. And there are some that get paid by the community to serve the church for free. That's just how this works. It's how it's worked from the Old Testament on. It's how it's worked. And kind of the brilliance of God, right? Coming out. Asking God's people, give 10%. Give 10%. That's what I tithe. Give 10%. You keep 90. Give 10% that allows my kingdom to advance through his people, and you get to keep 90. And you know what it does for you? The love of money is the root of all evil, right? That's what Paul says. But if we are giving our money away, guess what happens? The grip of money on our life begins to unravel itself. The grip of money is like a snake that wants to constrict on your life. And when we give, and when we give cheerfully, sacrificially, but cheerfully, the grip of money begins to, begins to untangle itself off of our life, and materialism starts to untangle itself away from our life. And it benefits his church, it benefits his kingdom, and it benefits us all. Because wherever our treasures are, that's where our heart is. That's where our heart is. So those of you that are, would say, I'm not a fan of Jesus. I'm just here. I'm checking this out. Or I'm okay with him. Or I came with her. Or, or I'm just coming back into the church and something happened. Look, when we pass later, not pass out, pass baskets later. <laughs> it's for us to put into so that you can see this thing for free and come to know God for free. But see, <clears throat> when Jesus says this to his disciples, <laughs> what's his disciples thinking? Brothers got to eat, man. Right? right, right, right. Like that's what his disciples are thinking. Like, how am I going to get paid? How am I going to get paid? Like, 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 like. If I if I don't charge for this stuff, like, how am I going to eat? 
Don't take any money in your money belts. No gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. So Jesus makes it worse before he gets better. Jesus is like, so, you know, you're going to be worried about this. Don't take anything extra with you. Don't be like, ah, I know. I'll just throw some extra, uh, extra change in my pockets. I'll throw on an extra shirt so that, you know, I'll take my knapsack. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I want you to travel light. That's, a, that, that's actually a message, probably another sermon that we need in America, travel lightly. Because we only advance the kingdom when we travel lightly. That was for free, by the way. Jesus is saying, look, that's, you're not going to take anything extra. And we, we as Christians actually use these verses, we use these verses to say, sometimes say, look, we're not supposed to have savings. We're supposed to like, you know, trust God and live paycheck to paycheck and et cetera. Look, some are called to do that. Some missionaries are called to do that. But this stuck out to me when I started reading this. This stuck out to me. This, this next phrase stuck out to me. I was like, is this what Jesus is saying? And then, then, then it got confirmed again in a, in a commentary. Look, listen to it. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Jesus is saying, look, you're not going to take anything extra. You're not going to ask to, to, to serve or ask to be paid for your services. You're going to rely on God and you're going to work. He didn't want his disciples to freeload on the communities that they would walk into. He wanted them to work so that when they worked, people would see their work and say, hey, 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 I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But Jesus didn't want them to freeload on their communities. Just show up and be lazy and say, God is near, but I'm not willing to do anything to prove it. Jesus wanted them to work, and through their work, people were going to show them hospitality. And look, the church, today, I've been in community meetings. They see the church as freeloaders. They don't pay taxes, and all they do is yell at us. They don't pay taxes, and all they do is, is, is yell at us. They look at us as freeloaders. What if, what if, what if, what if the church served so much in the community that they actually outserved the taxes they would actually pay? What if? They wouldn't look at us as freeloaders. They wouldn't demand the taxes from us. Let's don't look at the community when they start maybe demanding taxes from us. Let's not yell at them. Let's look at ourselves and what has caused us to have a black eye with the community. Maybe it's because they see us as freeloaders. And then all we want to do is take up space that could provide revenue for the community and yell at the community for how bad they are. But what if we served so much that we outserved the taxes we would pay? What if? Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it's not, take back the blessing. Look for hospitality. 
We introduced this with the, with the, with the last segment, but, but look for hospitality. When you work, when you serve, people will be hospitable, hospitable to you. People would be like, hey, a brother's got to eat. Come eat with me. And you know what? You know what? You know what we see? You know what happens? Is that those actually that are far from God will actually show hospitality to those who are representatives of God. And that's awesome. You know why? Because as you sit down to eat, sit down to eat, what do you get to do? You get to share the message. You get to answer questions. You get to help them through the stereotypes that they might have of church. Maybe well-deserved stereotypes, but the stereotypes nonetheless. You accept the hospitality of people. That's how you're going to be provided for. Accept the hospitality of people. Now, we, again, we don't look for a handout. I've known pastors to go into Home Depot and expect a 10% discount just because they're a pastor. That's freeloading. That's not right. But we do accept hospitality. And if any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust off from your feet as you leave. I'll tell you the truth. The wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than, uh, uh, better off than such a town on the judgment day. Jesus was like, look, not everybody's going to listen. Shake it off. That's right, Paul. Just shake it off. That's right, Paul. It's intentional. Shake it off. Don't throw a hissy fit. Don't post to Facebook how awful they are. Just shake it off. It's okay. Christians in America get our panties in a wad over nothing. He said, boo to me. Woo! Shake it off. Shake it off. Why? Because God's got our back. If judgment needs to come, it's going to be worse for them than Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's talk about that for a minute. We see the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 18 and 19. And despite what you might have heard from a pulpit, the main sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was its gross, gross lack of hospitality. How do I know? One, I've read the story with my filter off. Two, Jesus brings it up in a story about hospitality. Sodom and Gomorrah is about a gross lack of hospitality and the judgment that came upon that gross lack of hospitality. And so Jesus told his boys, hey, I want you to go to the religious people of, uh, of Israel who think Sodom and Gomorrah is the worst story possible. I want you to go to them. And if they do not listen to you, I want you to do the same thing to them that they do to the Samaritans and the Gentiles. See, when a, when a Jew would come back into Israel, would come back into Jerusalem, would come back into the temple from traveling through Samaria or through a Gentile country, they would shake off the dust as a symbol of that is an unholy land and your dust is not worthy to be in with our holy dust. And Jesus is saying, look, just do the same thing to them that they do to the non-religious. Just shake it off. It's kind of a 
subtle condemnation for these religious people who think they know me, but don't. See, it would be the same thing as saying this. Go to every church in America. First Baptist, small town. Second Baptist, third, 14th Baptist of whatever town. And if they don't listen to you, walk out, simply shake off the dust. And you know what? The judgment for them will be worse than the judgment they think it will that 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 they think I will give to Las Vegas and New Orleans. That's what Jesus is saying. Put into our context. Don't worry about it, because God's got your back. Shake it off. So how does this look in real life? Many of you know that <clears throat> we attempted to plant a church and in Baldwinsville, New York. It's a, it's a suburb of Syracuse. Syracuse is actually very similar to Springfield. And Baldwinsville is very similar to Republic. Uh, similar de demographic-wise, just a little more Italian. Uh, and, and, and similar in size and, and et cetera. And when we went to Baldwinsville, we were parachute planters. We were all alone. We didn't know anybody in Baldwinsville. And I, I didn't have a wingman. We had two kids at the time. So when I went to... When I went to uh, uh, open mic nights and different things at the different pubs and music nights and stuff as I got to know people uh, I, I didn't have anybody go with me and it, it, it was a detriment it was a detriment to uh, to the ministry and advancing the kingdom I could have used a wingman I could have used a team but we knew the people we knew our audience we, we knew going in what what what, what the people were going to be like and we got to know them as well and we know what they, how they viewed Southern Baptist pastors from the South wanting to start a Southern Baptist church and the only Southern Baptist church in town. And we wanted to overcome those stereotypes. How? The message. A message simply of going, whatever your stereotypes are, God is close. And I wish I would have had this stronger, like this simple message stronger uh, during the day. It would have been easier. See, I'm not a guy. I'm not a guy that can go from stranger to, 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 to sharing the gospel very quick. I'm not that type of guy. I'm not a salesman. But just having that simple message in my mind would have been, would have been a whole lot easier. Would have been a whole lot better. God is close. God is close. God is close. But what we did do, we, we did show up to serve. We served their festivals. We served their community. We served what they were doing. We served them. We didn't freeload. We got, we got money from, from our denomination. We got, we got money from a local church there. We got money from First Baptist Heber, we were, where we were beforehand, that, that, that Lydia came from as, as, as well. She was a student there when, 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 when I was there. And, and we, got, we got money from individuals so that we didn't freeload on that, that culture, so that we could serve that culture for free. And we accepted their hospitality from non-fans, the people far away from God. Coffee shop that was there, mm, Shambhala, Emmett. That's where, that's where the players of Baldwinsville went. Mayor was there just about every morning. Chamber leaders, core people that have been in Baldwinsville all their life. I sat and I talked to them, I listened to them, and accepted the hospitality that, 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 that they gave. Emmett gave us great hospitality, but he was far from God. We, we had great conversations as well. And when, when I posted about the expansion of our building, 
put in a thumbs up, like on Facebook? Why are we targeting potentially Central New York as a place to go adopt and, and serve to see churches planted? Because we've already, we've done the work of, of, of gaining hospitality there already. And you know what? It didn't work. And when I tell people here, they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's just a hard place to be. And it wasn't because of the people. There are other factors involved in that. But you know what? Shake it off. Go about our business. God had us there for a reason. For our growth. But I believe it's also potentially to double back and take a church there as well. But what could it look like for us? See, you've got neighborhoods that you live in that need the message that God is close. Go with your family. Serve them with your family. Have a wingman. Serve with your spouse. Have a wingman. Know the people in your neighborhood. Who are they? Is it a garage neighborhood or is it in the older district of the Republic? See, they're going to view their houses differently. What do they like to do? What music do they like? What shows do they like? What do they laugh at? What entertains them? What are, how do they view religion and God and Jesus and you for believing all three? Get to know them. Why? So that you can craft a message. God is close. That's all I want you to know. God is close. How do you prove it? We are here to serve you. We are here to serve you. And don't freeload on your neighbors. Well, I'm not going to ask for money. No, 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 no. You know that neighbor you whisper about, right? I can't believe they let their be like that. None of us do that, right? We're too, too spiritual for that, right? Don't be that neighbor because when you try to share, when you try to share the message and you're that freeloading neighbor, guess what? Deaf ears. Their fears. Accept hospitality. Those that, that, that accept you into their home and, 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 and are glad to see you, especially those far away from God, accept that hospitality. And if somebody shuts the door in your face, go on. Don't put about it on Facebook. It's not going to help, is it? Go on. But us as, as, as a church, us as a church, as we advance the kingdom, as we plant more environments, Maybe a 6 p.m. environment. Maybe an environment downtown. Since we came back in 2011, we've, and part of the reason why we came back was a heart for the downtown and student district of Springfield. And when we came back, there was pretty good activity going of kingdom advancing activity, but many of those churches, actually pretty much all of those churches have left. And our, our denomination, kind of our network of, of, of churches, that the, the leader of, uh, of that put out a couple of weeks ago, hey, pray for the downtown area because we need kingdom advancing work down there. And I told him, look, I want to talk about this in January. I had already planned on it. And what, what do we need? We need people to go together as a team. Together as a team. Downtown. Why? Because if we're better together, to get to know the audience that's down there. So that we can craft a message, craft the message, the way that they will hear. So that we can serve them. Not show up with our PA systems, but to serve. Not to tell them you are bad, but to tell them God is near. And we don't freeload. 
We don't break city ordinances with what we do. We don't, we don't, we don't let business leaders look at us in a bad light because the way we serve is actually hindering their business. We, we serve them in ways that will, they will look at us and say, come, let's get in a conversation. I want to help you and show us hospitality. And if somebody's not interested, we simply walk out and shake it off. Uh, not literally. I mean, when, if we walked out of, of a pub or, or bar downtown and started doing this, people would think other things about what we were going on. But not literally shake it off, but just, you know, mentally shake it off. Uh, Taylor Swift actually probably has a better perspective than many of our churches, right? Shake it off. Yeah. Thought about watching the music video so I could figure out how to, di- but that probably would have been bad. 6 p.m. service. Why would we do that? Well, there's a lot of people that work on Sunday mornings. We can either yell at them and say they are bad or tell them God is close. Need a team of people that would say, I am willing to do this for a 6 p.m. service so that we can, we can show those far away from God who God is and that God is actually close to them. Those of you that are non-fans, here's what I want you to hear. Not that we you are our special project or anything like that. But rather, people would go to great lengths to bring healing to you, to bring salvation to you, to bring restoration to you. Not because you're a project, but rather because we want you to know the God that has proven to come close. Not because we're special, but because God is. And God has already done the work to bring healing to your life. That's, that's why we do this. And for those of us that are fans, that are Christians, that are, that are team members, that are followers, this is pretty practical, right? Jesus gave us seven things like anybody can do. The 12 disciples proved that. Anybody can do. You, you don't have to have a religious background to do this stuff. But will we have vision disconnect? That we say we want to stream non-fans to God so that they can find healing and salvation from God. But then our tactics, the things we do, say something completely different than that. Or are we ready to do the work of advancing the kingdom? See, Christians love things to be theological and emotional. Because we can talk about theology and talk. in our Bible studies, but never do anything? Or are we ready, are we ready, are we ready to take a message, a simple message to a culture that doesn't think God cares? Are we ready? During the reflection time, there'll be some people in the back and overall, like, are you ready? Like, are you ready to do this? Like, are you ready to, to maybe be on a team? Like, like we could have the genesis of, of, a, of, a, uh, of a team form of planting a new environment this morning. Are you ready? You can come back, talk to me, say, I'm ready. Or after the service, say, I'm ready. Are you ready? That's the question to consider as we, as we worship God. Are we ready to do the work 
of advancing the kingdom. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I pray, Lord, that you can rise people up and say, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to advance the kingdom and, and, and let our tactics line up with our vision. Then we can see people be healed, that people can, be, can come to salvation, that people can be restored. I just pray, Lord, that you will rise people up in your due time to plant environments, do new things, take it to, 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 to new levels and new places. We just thank you. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. To find your God-given kingdom purpose at Crosspoint Fellowship, go to cpf.me forward slash top 10.